Hello. and welcome to... I'm just going to keep talking through it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law. That's Catherine Rubino. We are back, as per usual, to talk about the uh, stories of the week, uh, which this time... Uh, Oh, you know, we got a kind of a truncated week that we're in the middle of yeah. here because it's... Uh, Did you get to do anything fun over the long weekend? Uh, nope. Oh, uh, I, I at least saw um, Shang-Chi, the Legend of the Ten Rings, the new Marvel movie. I, I know because you put that on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I did, which, I did. Yeah. I, thought, I have thoughts about it. Yeah, no. First I, of all, I, it was a beautiful movie. I don't know. Have you, have you seen it yet? Hold on. I, 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 I'm a little put off because... Oh, wait. There it is. We're having small talk. Indeed we are. Yeah. No, <laughs> You're uh, the worst with this. I, I really thought that if I just like barreled right into it, you would forget about the sa- sound effects. But Are you kidding? This is the apparently. most fun part of this job. Is it? Is that, yeah. that's the, that's the highlight for you? Yeah. Is it, is it that it annoys me or is there something about the sound effects? I just think it's kind of, yeah, I, I like sound effects. I think they're fun. So I, it's I, not that know. it annoys me. You're not. No, 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 no. It was that it annoyed thing. Ellie, and it's oh. just carrying over to you. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, I did see it, and uh, I did not have the same theory that you did, mm-hmm. which. Uh, I, I mean, don't I don't think this is much of a spoiler. Um, no, it's not, really. But I, I just said that I thought that the one of the plots of the movie sort of echoes the way uh, millennials feel when their parents have been sort of uh, enamored by Fox News, QAnon, conservative talk radio, that yeah. kind of worldview where it's like, but but dad, what, 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 why do you think that? Dad? Yeah. That no, doesn't it, make it, a lick it, of sense. <laughs> it is one of those things I did not think, mm-hmm. but then I saw your tweet about it and it's now the only thing I can think. Uh, it has absolutely retroactively changed how I pay attention to the whole thing. So uh, good good work on that. I thought that like the second it started happening, I'm like, you know what this is like? This is mm. like a dad who's into QAnon, huh? Ah, those goddamn boomers from a thousand years ago, huh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Uh, it, so that was cool. That's fun. I did mm-hmm. also see that. So I guess, I guess that's a thing that I did or will do because we're recording this before... And it, whatever it, it's it's happened, yeah. It I, I, happened. I didn't want to like blow your time travel spot here, but we are recording <laughs> this before the weekend begins. Uh, yeah, but just, I still have yeah. seen the movie, so because yeah. obviously we aren't around on the actual uh, Labor Day, which is usually when we would record. So yeah, so it's a bit of a time 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 timey wimey wibbly wobbly. Yeah, exactly. So hey, whatever. Yeah. We're um, yeah. I feel like Do you know, know I made you, that you reference. Yes. I made that reference with Chris uh, and our other... Um, oh, Chris Williams. Yeah, Chris yeah. Williams, our new uh, assistant editor and occasional co-host of yes. this podcast. And he got it. He's like, don't close your eyes. I'm like... Oh, nice, nice, nice. my my old uh, Doctor Who reference. references. Yeah, yeah it was nice. pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. So we're... Um, yeah, I, do, I feel like we normally try to keep up the... You know, charade. the illusion, the charade that we record things like the day of, but that's obviously not I mean, true. You can't. No one can do that. Exactly. So, no one does that. Yeah. Not so, when you have such high tech things like sound effects as part of your production value. Right. You got the six time to put together, you guys. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. Anything else going on? How you know? Yeah. You know. Uh, yes. Actually, uh, the next lawyer up podcast, uh, which mm-hmm. is not. Uh, you know, not one that we've talked about uh, much, but uh, that podcast, which is a podcast where uh, they interview lawyers uh, from different 
stripes all over. It's mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of a deep dive. Like it, unlike our like 30 minute show, it's like a longer, like hour long show that really gets deep into lawyers and their careers and how they got to where they were and what prompted them getting into the law and whatever. And uh, the most recent episode was a deep interview with, I thought, an endlessly fascinating legal journalist. <laughs> you're not really fooling anyone, right? Everyone knows that you're talking about you. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting. Everybody, everybody I guess, knows. I, I guess, I mean, I'll take the compliment if that necessary. kind of That kind of, like, no, it's not a compliment. It's that you're obviously the one who says that you are endlessly fascinating. That's what I know. I don't know that you're endlessly fascinating. I know that you think you're endlessly fascinating. I mean. I mean, it, where's the, the lie? Where's the, the lie in what the, I'm saying? Zero lies. The listening Zero public. They the all, listening they public it. all they think that. And that's why this show. I mean, listen, they understand. They come here for, for me giving you some shit. Let's be, let's be clear. I, I mean. Objection! I, Whoa, that I was, an, yeah, that was not, an aggressive little. Yeah, I need to clip. find a better objection uh, yeah, sound that effect. Was, that, was, that was a lot. Yeah. That was perhaps more than you intended. I mean, yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, but but I guess that was my uh, that was my bit of uh, small talk. Look, I'm, it's a work in progress. All these uh, all these sound effects. You? No, no, no. <laughs> the, these sound effects You're... are a bit of a work in progress. Oh, okay. You know, I'm got to get them all. Whatever. Uh, yeah. So is that all that we've got? Because if so, I feel like we're coming to the conclusion no. of <sighs> yeah small talk. You know, here's the thing. They the sound effects didn't used to annoy me. They, Interesting. They've only annoyed me the more into them you get. Mm. I think maybe that says something about me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Well, so how was the weekend legal news? I don't think anything big happened. No, I didn't. I I didn't. I didn't see anything particularly major. Uh, on the horizon, but yeah, first, not like- let's talk. Uh, let, let's first do an ad. Uh, so let's hear from uh, Lexicon, and then we'll get into this. Here's a message just for the attorneys out there. So you passed the bar, joined a firm, or even built your own. Now are you finding out that you're doing more administration than actual law practice? Lexicon can help. Lexicon is a legal services and technology provider with over a decade of experience streamlining administrative tasks like timekeeping, HR, billing, client intake, and more. So you can focus on maximizing billable hours and increasing client satisfaction. Call 855-4-LEXICON or visit lexiconservices.com go to learn more. All right. Yeah. No. Uh, was there? Yeah. yeah it was. Like a, it was a super slow week in news. There just wasn't anything happening. And then, not at all. Big news. Big news that happened. Uh, what was it? Um, the Supreme. <laughs> God, you're the worst. It's not See, funny. now I'm aggressive on it's these. It's not funny. I, no, it's not. Uh, well, no, I mean, the news isn't funny. The explosion sound effect was funny. See, I nuance. There's yes. There, yeah. Really, yeah. Go on. Uh, yeah, the Supreme Court's shadow docket gave its blessing to Texas's uh, anti-abortion law SB8, which outlaws abortion after six weeks and horrifyingly um, deputizes all citizens to turn in anyone they think has aided or abetted someone getting an abortion. Yeehaw! A put a, put together a posse to do this, uh, which of course, for those who don't necessarily know, like the the weird structure of this law, the reason it's set up in this way where the 
government doesn't go after people who theoretically violate this, but instead random citizens whistleblow to bring lawsuits to win a $10,000 bounty on people who, quote, aid and abet abortions, is because to make the government or or like the cops or whatever prosecute people at this would be illegal. Uh, That is clearly Mm -hmm. unconstitutional. So this law was structured in this unique way where they say, oh, well, we, the government, who it would be illegal to do this, unconstitutional, et cetera, we are not doing this. What we're doing is saying private individuals can do this. and There's nothing that stops that. Uh, That's the way it's put together, which is what the real legal issue here is. Well, there's multiple legal issues here, but the legal issue that the majority of this shadow docket opinion and at least, and and the one opinion that all the dissenting justices agreed to, which was it was a 5-4 with mm-hmm. uh, Roberts and the more Democratic appointed justices on the bottom of this. Uh, the one opinion that all of the four was, agreed to was, was very much about yeah. a procedural issue, which right. is whether or not, given that this question has come up, whether or not it is problematic and should be reviewed, this idea that random citizens can go enforce this law. What would otherwise be unconstitutional. Right. Uh, The majority said, well, golly, this has never come up before, so it's not something we can weigh in on at this point, so therefore it should be able to go into effect. Right, which is completely disingenuous. Of course. Right, Uh, and and you know, because if it was anything that they politically did not agree with all of a sudden, well, this is an issue of first first impression, therefore we have to put a stay on the enforcement of the law so that we can can hear arguments about this. It's absolutely what they would say. I mean, I think our, uh, I think it was our colleague in legal journalism, Mark Joseph Stern, who put up a tweet just saying, saying something along the lines of, Imagine if California banned guns tomorrow, but just told private citizens would get $10,000 if they sued for knowing somebody had a gun. Uh, Mm -hmm. There is zero chance that this law would be allowed to move forward. Yes, 100%. Uh, And to Robert's credit, uh, like Robert's is, in my mind, alternatively kind of a charlatan in that he really doesn't care about these things, but people pretend he does, and people legitimately pointing out that maybe he does care about the institutionalism of it. His opinion just reads as, are you all kidding me? Of course we can have procedural decisions like this. Yeah, he seemed pretty salty. Like, reading between the lines seemed like, I, I... It seemed almost incredulous that he has lost control of the court. And this is a court that will forever bear his name, right? As Chief Justice, it will always be known as the Roberts Court, no matter what kind of, no matter how many dissents he (laughs) is a part of, it'll still be known as the Roberts Court. I think that he has a very sharp, keen uh, sense of that. And uh, I don't think he's pleased. If there's one, if there's one legal doctrine, like legal, not doctrine, legal trend that mm-hmm. I would say dominates it, like pull out historic a his, you know, go way way into the future what what defined the Roberts court at least up until now mm-hmm. would be the idea that the doors of courthouses should be shut to as many people as possible he's all about constricting who has standing constricting who could who has access to this and that uh, mm-hmm. it's all about closing down the number of court cases that can ever exist right uh, meaning that Putting aside whatever personal feelings he has about the you know, Roe v. Wade, the idea of sending random people into courtrooms to have 
trials about whether or not they saw Goody Goody Proctor getting an abortion. <laughs> that is absolutely the opposite of everything he believes. Yeah, and I think from his perspective, it's a completely unforced error mm-hmm. as well, right? Yeah. Because uh, the court could absolutely enjoin the the Texas law. Don't worry, they still have the Mississippi law that's going to have. Oh, yeah, it's going to be in this term. They have they have an opportunity. They they've already scheduled the opportunity to overrule Roe v. Wade, or probably not uh, overrule in exactly those words, but you know, kind of a death Guts. by a thousand yeah. cuts. You know, mean that functionally people do not have the uh, right to reproductive uh, freedom in this country, uh, like at least large swaths of this country. And so I, from his perspective, I think that it is he's probably not the most angry, but he has a, a real unique um, sense, I think, of the issues. Um, and his perspective is interesting in that way. But I mean, for the most inspiring, I thought that um, Sotomayor's uh, decision was great. Um, you know, it, it was really it, it captured a lot of the anger. I think many of us feel about um, SB eight. Uh, Justice Kagan's uh, decision also put a, a spotlight on the shadow docket and the notion that all these cases are really shaping the our law that have not been gone through the official normal pr- practices and procedures that that are you know bring light and. Um, Let's talk a bit about the shadow docket issue, because I think that's a concept that people aren't real uh, deep into this law thing. They wouldn't know. Before, like the last few five or so years, it didn't matter so much. It didn't happen. Didn't didn't come up all that often. So the concept of the shadow docket is that the Supreme Court hears these appeals from uh, the appellate courts or state Supreme Courts. They get them and they schedule them and there are hearings and uh, they they go over the record and there's oral argument and then they write, take a long time and they write these detailed opinions about them. There was another parallel docket that ran always, which was there for emergency issues. Somebody saying, a good example of this historically is executions. executions. Somebody says, someone's going to be executed in two days, like, can the Supreme Court step up and stop this? And so there was a docket that basically allowed the justices to act quickly without hearing from people, without mm-hmm. writing detailed opinions, but just say, hey, you can't do that right now. Let's put a break on put it. Put a break on it, whatever. And this docket was for those executions, uh, injunctions that, that were going to take effect immediately and have huge problems. Like, it existed for that purpose, and normally as a way of just holding things for some future mm-hmm. decision. Mostly for holding the status quo. Yeah. Uh, what the Which uh, technically this does, uh, but only to the extent that the Fifth Circuit had blocked the, the district court, which had already itself then blocked the law from going into effect. So the point is, it's gotten to a point where the shadow docket, which used to be just for these super emergency cases, often of literal life and death, uh, now is being used over the last few years increasingly by the conservatives on the court as a way to make substantive decisions without any argument on the case, mm-hmm. without any paper trail of what they actually think about it. Mm-hmm. and Being unsigned. Uh, yeah, being unsigned as it generally is. And this has been true of not just this case, but uh, the, the trans ban that the that Trump did. Uh, mm-hmm. That was all handled on here. Like all of these cases are moving into this shadow docket as a way of kind of putting them increasingly outside of the purview of what right. to the extent to that minimize the, transparency. Yeah. To the extent that the Supreme Court is a transparent democratic institution, which is very LOL. little. LOL. Which is very little in the first place. 
this is an assault on the idea that it's even that. I mean, this is reaching star chamber levels of mm -hmm. we just make decisions and you live with them. And it's, uh, yeah, so that increasing reliance yeah. on the shadow docket is problematic. Yeah, and, and the the I think that this is a weird case in the sense that um, it was an emergency situation because the law was set to go into effect and that would have, that did close um, all of the abortion providers mm -hmm. in the state. Uh, and so I do think that there is um, a real, there is a need for it sort of in these cases, but what, when they are using it to change what is constitutional, yeah. um, I, you know, that's that's really where the problem comes. Yeah, I mean, and I think Robert's dissent is right. dead on. The shadow docket, to the extent it exists, should be existing to say something like, no, you can't do this law right now. We're going to have to hear full right. argument on to preserve the status quo, right? right? To preserve Whereas, where we are, yeah. yeah. Uh, that that would be where he would like to be, and there's mm -hmm. a, there's a reason why of all the justices, everyone agrees, uh, every dissenter agrees with Roberts, but Roberts doesn't join any of the other dissenters right. because they're they are making constitutional arguments about this, which he probably doesn't agree with, but mm -hmm. he definitely feels like there's a problem with the procedure right. here, right? Right. Uh, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, and and uh, the fact that it was also a 5-4 decision puts um, none too fine a point on Amy Coney Barrett's um, mm -hmm. nomination and and elevation to the Supreme Court, which, you know, um, Breyer's, Breyer is still on the court. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, is, that's a good place to transition, which is, so what, what gets done about this? This brings us back to a classic argument that when... Ellie Mistal was our co-host here. Uh, he and I would have, but what gets done uh, in light of the kind of Amy Coney Barrett, uh, mm -hmm. whether, and look, I, I'm going to say this, whether it's Amy Coney Barrett or Neil Gorsuch, one of them shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. I actually don't care which. Personally, <laughs> my, my personal read of how law should work is that Amy should be on the court and Neil shouldn't have been because right. I think that the president gets to do whatever under the current law. And, but you can't really have both in right. any right. reasonable way. Uh, but what is to be done to uh, steal some Lenin there? Yeah. I, I oh gosh, who knows? Um, I know that um, there have been some legislation introduced to uh, introduce 18 year term limits, something I know you and I have talked about on this podcast mm -hmm. before to kind of get, rotate folks off of the active Supreme Court, which is, I do 100% support, but doesn't provide a ton of relief in the short term. But, you know, it's better It's better than, than doing nothing. Um, obviously, uh, expanding the court is something we've heard a ton about. I am very concerned about the way that plays out, not in a year, but in five or 10 or 20 years. Um, I think it's, it's, no one wants to see an 80-person Supreme Court. No one wants to see, you know, Catherine Mizell's on the court. I, I still feel bad that she's the poster child for this. But, I know. you know, my issue is there, there's nothing necessarily to say that she's the worst thing in the world. It's just she's wildly unqualified to be a federal judge. Sure. sure. Uh, the, and, yeah, and, and in a world where Amy Coney Barrett, that ship has already sailed, that's I, Fair. the next name. I mean, Amy Coney Barrett's at least been a law professor. Uh, Catherine Mizell, who's a now a federal judge uh, per the Trump administration, uh, she was uh, still an associate. Yeah. In fact, she associates had, are not qualified to be federal. She had been she had judges. been clerking the year before she was named to be a federal yeah. judge. It's terrible. Uh, yeah, it's, it, terrible. it's somewhat terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah. But I, I do I do worry um, that expanding the court uh, has massive repercussions in the long term. But for the short term, and, and I am not, uns- I feel very badly, but I don't necessarily know what to do in the short term, because in the short term, people will be put in terrible situations. Uh, you know, folks will lose their lives uh, mm-hmm. because we don't have access to safe abortions uh, across the country. In those that, states, yeah, w- for sure. W- yeah. I meant like sea to shining sea yeah, kind, yeah, of, no, kind of a way. Uh, there are there are plenty of places in the country and it's only getting wor- going to get worse where women or ovulators cannot access um, uh, safe abortions in a reasonable amount of time and that is going to lead to deaths mm-hmm. and that is terrifying. And I don't know, I don't know what other plan there is in the short term besides expanding the court. Right. Well, and that, and this is the thing. This is a conversation on Twitter I had with uh, a host of another uh, podcast, the 5-4 pod. Uh, one of their co-hosts had made the point that, you know, we've we've gotten to a point because of inaction where the only reforms that are available are far more aggressive and probably not, not as good as ones that could have been done earlier, which mm-hmm. prompted me to be like, yeah. And I wrote a piece elucidating my thoughts from that conversation, which is there were so many off-ramps where somebody could have said, look, this court thing seems to be getting out of hand. Let's pass term limits now. At a point when it was had bipartisan support, uh, let's do some fundamental reform and jurisdiction stripping to use um, an issue that uh, Professor Sprigman's been writing a lot about mm-hmm. uh, from NYU. Uh, maybe this is the time for some jurisdiction stripping, which is an a, a fully available option that legislatures have to just change the Judiciary Act to say like, oh, the Supreme Court doesn't get to talk about these particular issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. None of this happened in the past when it was a viable solution. And everyone just kind of plodded along thinking that this increasingly dysfunctional body of the government was going to be just fine. Uh, And it didn't. And so... Yeah, and and, and I think, so we're left where we are. I think the question of blame is something that I've seen a lot on social media. And uh, there are some folks who say that we shouldn't be blaming um, the left because they're not the ones who are passing the law. These laws, they're not the ones who are actively trying to strip women uh, or ovulators of their rights, which is true. But at the same time, I, I think that it's um, very short-sighted to say that there was nothing that could have been done to sort of play defense against these threats that we knew were coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I think we need to really interrogate what had what happened, what can be done in the future. And, you know, I, I earlier I brought up um, Justice Breyer and his desire not to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looms pretty large, you know, especially when, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat went to Amy Coney Barrett and mm-hmm. she had the opportunity to retire for eight years of Obama's um, administration. And so, you know, these these things are, are still true and we really do have to think about it and we do have to look backwards in order to have a better understanding because something I think that you mentioned in your piece as mm-hmm. well, but uh, something I, I've long thought is that, you know, the left, the liberals have really enjoyed the Supreme Court pretty much ever since Brown v. Board, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of gotten this shine and this glow that the Supreme Court will save us from our worst impulses. The Aaron Sorkinization of the court, I think is how I put it. <laughs> accurate way to put it. But I do think that there's this sort of shine and glow and, oh gosh, the court will save us. And that is... Why we ever thought that a dem- an undemoc- fundamentally undemocratic branch of government was our salvation 
Yeah. And I and I felt that way too. I can remember in law school thinking that I'm like, yeah, but like the Supreme Court will fix that. And kind of having that, and maybe it's also going through law school and kind of being taught and indoctrinated that the Supreme Court is this sort of elite um, rule, not rulemaking, but, you know, this this check, it is rulemaking, I yeah. know, but, but this kind of, not that many law professors would say that, but it, it's this check on on terribleness that happens, um, particularly when you get through, like, all the civil rights legislation and, and litigation and whatnot. And the, the truth is, no one can save us but ourselves, um, and that that's voting rights, that's passing legislation, um, and we can't depend on nine people. Yeah, unfortunately, voting rights probably depends on those same nine people, as it turns out. And this brings mm-hmm. us back to like the... Well, I mean, there's also things that can be... Yes, I think it's true. It does depend on the court, but that's also because the... Uh, the Congress and Senate uh, have refused, have not acted yeah. on yeah. it, right? If they weren't like, well, the courts will take care of it. Because I think that it also infects our legislators as well. There's mm-hmm. a, well, there's a back check on all this stuff. And if the, there was no back check, no, it's on you. Well, you have to pass this. Not to quote somebody for that proposition that you may not be happy to be on the same side of, but this is very much the old school Scalia <laughs> opinion. He wrote, he wrote back in the day that, what bothered him about some of the ways in which the court was being operated was it was being used as a check by, uh, used as a backstop mm-hmm. by legislators who could then talk a big game without ever worrying about repercussions because they can push all that off on courts and then do not either do nothing or just talk big, like either ignore the issue or talk big, I guess is his point. Mm-hmm. Uh, while the court is shouldered with all this stuff that yeah. should not be its job, yeah. is his I, point. I, I mean, that is not was. that. It, yeah. Well, also yeah. was in the sense that it wasn't by the end of his career, right? Because right. The, yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, he didn't. Yeah. I mean, I do think that looking back at Scalia's jurisprudence is particularly interesting because I do think you can kind of document where the the kind of honest um, judicial philosophy kind of started morphing into a more practical, this is the result that is desired. When he went from Gorsuch to Alito, as I'm just saying (laughs) in my head, uh, because I think that really is the distinction between those two. Like there's a a kind of- Naked politicalism. Goofy true believer Mm -hmm. and a somebody who literally has no feeling other than naked partisanship. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's- uh, yeah. So yeah, and I, I do think multitudes, that, and, I, and by yeah. that I mean those two. <laughs> but yeah. but I do think that that we're in a in a dilly of a pickle, and nice, nice Ned. Uh, I don't know how we're Flanders. I don't know how we're gonna get out. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, it's terrifying. It's horrible. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, you should be angry about it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, so I was gonna transition us off of talking about the courts to talk about. Law school. Uh, you remember law school. That's where you went to become a ah. lawyer, not an accountant. <laughs> Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. So talking about law, law schools, uh, the Oh, you know, the big the big news, the big rankings, uh, which are the scholarly impact rankings. Yeah, no one really cares. Yeah. Well, all right. So, Well, I mean, the people on the list probably care. Years ago, uh, Brian Leiter created this scholarly impact rankings where he would go around and rank based on how many 
publications and citations people have uh, who's which professors are the best. Since generally our position in this world is rolling our eyes whenever Brian Leiter's name is mentioned, uh, we tend not to pay attention to it. But this this task has been handed over to some other people. I, was gonna now, say, I don't think Brian does. Yeah, now, who now handle the uh, scholarly impact the scholarly ratings. impact ratings. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we have scholarly impact ratings. And uh, so what do you think about these? Like, what do you uh, learn from them? Um, I mean, my recollection is what Erwin Chemerinsky is one. Dean Chemerinsky is uh, ranks first. Yes. Uh, Eric Posner. Yeah. If second. second. I mean, I don't know. I just bought, Eric Posner's new book. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, pretty influential at the moment for me. Uh, but um, yeah, well, we they also work it out by schools. So mm-hmm, you can find mm-hmm. out what schools have the most I don't scholarly remember the impact. Sco- which school? I'm assuming it's Harvard. No, no. Yale. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it largely. Well, this, uh, but I would have thought that Harvard might have gotten the nod because it's slightly larger. It's bigger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, it, with a little bit, it, it more or less tracks like it. In some ways, it's actually a more accurate tell of like how good a law school is because mm-hmm. it's like the the strength of the professors. But Yale still is number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago comes in second, largely driven, I think, by uh, Posner, yeah. as you point out. Then then Harvard gets in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then obviously NYU. Uh, that further down on this list, we have Columbia, then at five, uh, then Stanford so, so at six. So by further down, you mean next? Yeah. But, okay, just to be clear, four to five is... Hey, there's only 20 points separating NYU and Harvard, and it's over 100 separating NYU mm. and Columbia. I don't know. I think it might be because NYU is so much larger. No, oh, because they're yeah. so le- much less competitive. Oh, oh, is that the issue? That's All right, well, then Columbia. Then uh, Stanford is and Berkeley are tied at sixth, uh, which, Wow. They, they did that just for the pure rivalry of it. Like, say what you will about NYU and Columbia, but Stanford and Berkeley. At eighth is... Probably you're the only one, I think, at this point, still ho- holding on to the NYU Columbia. What are you talking about? We have a we have a charity basketball game every do, year do between the two schools. That? What? Do they still do that? I oh, know, yeah. I know they did it when you were in law school. I mean, they, they, they have done... I've reported on it since I've been at Above the Law, actually. Uh, yeah, it's a, one of my favorite things to report on is uh, the results mm. of that game. I'm not sure they've done it recently because COVID, COVID, but living through a global pandemic, blah, blah, blah. In eighth is Penn and then tied for ninth. uh, So therefore rounding out the top 10 Mm -hmm. are uh, the V's, Virginia and Vanderbilt. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So that's your scholarly impact. You know, what's interesting. You were saying that there was this whole thing about uh, the, the Chemerinsky Posner or whatever. I, the though I I don't really know what that metric was because another metric in the in the study mm-hmm. is about like general academic influence. I think maybe that was the most cited, the one that you were talking about, and then the general academic influence oh, okay. one. Uh, the rank the rankings on that were uh, Cass Sunstein from Harvard, obviously. Okay. Um, Kimberly Crenshaw comes in second. Woo-woo. Erwin, yeah, uh, your old professor. Erwin uh, Chemerinsky then comes in there. Uh, so that was what I I saw. Okay, uh, yeah. But well, there's lots of different um, metrics, metrics, obviously, yeah, yeah. and and I don't necessarily think they're super important, but it is interesting um, just to kind of see what uh, what areas are trending. Also, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously, I think Kimberly Crenshaw's <laughs> area of expertise has yeah. gotten a lot of play. In well, the, at in least the... the words describing it, not sure. so much the actual thing she writes about. But... Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> But, but when but when, Kimberly, when Kimberly Crenshaw says something about critical race theory, I, I would hope a lot of academics take notice. Yeah, uh, let's yeah, just say that exactly. 
Particularly uh, now. I've been, yeah. I've been very, every time it comes up, I've been very uh, quick to always point out to people that the there's a wide gulf between critical race theory and what people keep calling critical race theory. So Absolutely. I, I, but yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, so yeah, that was uh, the Scholarly Impact ratings. And with that, I think we're done, you know. Well, there you Unless go. Unless have something else. Uh, you know, I'm here at your... Um, not really. Not, not really. Yeah, I, no. I got things. Anyway, uh, so you should be subscribed to the show. That way you get new shows when they come out. You should give it reviews, The you know, stars, write something, all that extra engagement. Like the, the effort it takes to write a quick, this is a great show, uh, specifically that, if possible, uh, helps. It just shows that somebody cared enough to write it, and that helps the algorithm say, hey, you know, maybe this is something somebody else wants to listen to. You should be listening to the other shows. She's got uh, The Jabot, which she's the host of, which talks about diversity issues in the law. And I am a panelist on the Legal Tech Week Journalists Roundtable. Or the Legal Tech News Weekly Journalist Roundtable. You, you really, the, can you want, do you want to write it down? You have like an entire like file full of notes get, for this podcast. Just write it down. You, uh, I do. You, you get that this is I mean, is you all, read it. You read like ads. You read You're stuff. acting as though, it's, it, as though the issue is me as opposed to the fact that the title of it is somewhat loose. I, I, whatever it is, decide what you're going to call it and just write it down. Just yeah. take notes. Why, why? Why are notes You know difficult? what I don't need? You'd be is... like Amy Coney Barrett during the oh, confirmation CIA, hearing. Oh, uh... okay. Anyway, if you're <laughs> quite done. Always. All right. Uh, with all that said, uh, so those shows, uh, other shows from the Legal Talk, you should check out other shows from the Legal Talk Network. You should uh, follow us on social media. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One, the numeral one. You should be reading Above the Law. I know there are some who just listen to the show and don't do that, but you should check that out because then you get some like advance uh, notice of the sorts of stories we're going to be talking about always. Uh, thanks again to Lexicon and Noto, powered by M&T Bank, for sponsoring the show. And Peace! Okay, that actually was the end. Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah.